Welcome to the Concord Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Delgado, and I'm joined today by Pastor Drew. In this episode, we interview Stanley Hendon. I really love Stanley. He's a guy who is a, he's a passionate guy. He's a, he's a man's man type of fella, but at the same time, he has such a passionate heart for the Lord, and um, he's served our church in so many ways, born out of his love for the Lord and his love for the church. He really um, loves and wants to be about doing the work of the church. Yeah, I was really encouraged to hear how he grew up in the church, and that really set a foundation for his heart for the church today. And one other thing that he mentioned was that he had men that were able to pour into his life that he was able to look up to that were encouragement to him. And I think it's so amazing that that he's carrying that that on uh, through our church. Yeah, I've seen him. I, I know many men who he has cared for and encouraged, and it's great to see him stepping into the role of so many who went before him. Yeah. Amen. All right. Let's hear some stories. All right, so thanks again, Stanley. Um, really excited to hear your story today. So let's uh, let's start with a little bit how you grew up and how you came to know Christ. All right, I grew up in a family of four, or had four uh, siblings. I have two brothers and a sister. We were raised in a Christian home, going to a Southern Baptist church, country church. Mom was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, Dad's always been a deacon as long as I can remember. My granddad Hendon taught a Sunday school class all his life. I hear people talk about uh, how good of a Sunday school teacher and how he loved that class. And we were very involved in church uh, and the church community. That's where our friends were. And we did all the things that uh, country churches do. We went to week-long revivals. We went to summer singing schools. (laughs) We did VBS. We did youth events and trips, choir. Mother's Day poems, Christmas plays, musicals. And uh, when I was about 11 years old, we were in a revival service, and I walked the aisle. That's a phrase from a long time back. That states how old I am. (laughs) And uh, then following that, I was baptized in a local pond in January. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, in January. Wow. (laughs) It was cool. And thankfully, there were towels and uh, blankets close by. But then when I was about 20, I made a serious rededication of my life, and I think that's when I really started following and pointing my life toward Christ, and uh, that's that was a pivotal time for me. Awesome. Cool. So um, I want to know how, how Christ has grown you since then. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got plugged in with Concord and how Concord has also been a part of your spiritual growth. Okay. Okay. Well, we moved to Chattanooga, uh, Melinda and I did, in um, 1986, and uh, several months after that, we ended up joining Concord. And one of the things, actually, that drew us to Concord and uh, helped us make the decision was actually the choir program. Oh, cool. Uh, We've been involved in music uh, all of our lives. Uh, everyone may not know, but I've taken piano lessons for probably about 12 years. Wow. And uh, Melinda's the same, and we've been in choir and small groups and all. And actually, uh, music uh, changed the course of my life. After high school, or right about the time I graduated high school, I was planning on going to a technical school. 
And I realized that if I did that, my opportunity for future music training went to zero. But there was a local community college that had a great program. They uh, had a performance choir, ensemble, uh, piano lessons, uh, vocal lessons. And so that was truly a pivotal moment in my life and career that put me in in the four-year college program. And it also led me down a path where I met my wife. And so that's uh, music's always been a big part. Uh, So when we came to Chattanooga and we were looking for a church, we actually looked around several other churches, and we had some family here at Concord, and we didn't really want to be a shadow or in, you know, just known as, oh, that's Mm so-and-so's uncle or cousin. Yeah. And But one morning we came to church, and the choir uh, performed a very moving a cappella song. And that was... Uh, was that when David Thompson was here? David Richardson. David Richardson, yes. David Thompson sorry. was here also. Oh, yeah, sorry. David Richardson was choir director at that yeah. time. And that morning, uh, you know, it seems a little bit odd, but Melinda and I both felt the Lord telling us, this is where you're supposed to be. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. And so we joined Concord. We joined the choir. And uh, then Concord became, you know, the center of our life as part of, you know, our church community. And uh, shortly after that, we were asked to serve in the college and career class. So we took a teaching role for two or three years. I don't remember exactly in the college and career class. And I grew through that time because as teacher, I was – required to study the scriptures and prepare the lesson for Sunday course so you teach out of the overflow after you go through and that was uh, that was a good point in our life we made a lot of great uh, relations through then and learned a lot of it helped us to understand and learn the members of the church because the college and career students mostly uh, had lived and grown up here so hmm. we learned a lot of other people um, we got involved in the choir, and choir has always been uh, been important to us. And somewhere along the way, I realized that the repetition of choir, repetition of the songs, the hymns, the praise anthems, and and all are uh, spoke to me. And so, once again, when you sing on Sunday morning, it's easier to worship because you're singing out of the overflow. Hmm. You've already have time to absorb and understand what the music's about, even though if it's, you know, if it's a fast song, a loud something. Sometimes people get uh, caught up in a in a melody or a beat of a song, but there's a message there, and the repetition helps drive that message home. Yeah, it's interesting because as much as we think about choir being a ministry to the congregation, it's if you choose good songs, rich text, it's the biggest ministry is to the people who are learning their songs and drinking in those words and having to think about them. Uh, yeah, it's it has a profound effect on, on anybody who's having to practice and sing like that. Yeah, I've always felt the choir were the beneficiaries, the most beneficiary, ones who benefited the most there yeah. because of that repetition. I'd like to hear what you your perspective drew on you know your your testimony as far as music being what drew you to Concord. I think that's such a unique testimony. I don't think I've ever heard someone say that, that uh, 
you know, they made a decision to join a church based off of uh, music. But I think that's so beautiful, you know, you know, that uh, that you heard from the Lord, you know, y- y- you and your wife that day. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'd, I'm just curious to, you know, as our pastor of worship, you know, your perspective on on, on music and the church service. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you know, music has a has a profound effect, and a lot of times people are trying to chase a certain style. But when I hear Stanley's story, I don't hear him joining because of mm. music as much as because mm. I think he saw a place he could serve because music was important to him as part of his faith life, and so the music at Concord was such a structure that we could fit here, we could serve here, we could participate here, um, and really that links into something that. I see as a theme in Stanley's life, just as a friend, um, is a heart to serve and to serve the Lord and to serve God's people. And so when I hear that from Stanley, I, what I hear is, is um, this is a place where we can serve. This is a place where we can um, be involved. I mean, boy, you grew up in a church that was so incredibly involved with music programs and things like that. Mm-hmm. But the um, the joy isn't the programmatic nature of it. It's the participating to serve the, the opportunity to serve to be involved and it's just it's kind of a bonus that it's uh, music creates an opportunity for service that also so deeply affects our heart and serves so clearly as a discipler in our life yeah well let me ask you stanley because maybe just elaborate a little bit more on that what you know what was it you said that you just felt the lord made it clear that morning was it uh was it the emotion was it the lyrics was it what was it about that the music that you thinking back that uh, that made that so clear, or was it you know as Drew was alluding to that that opportunity where you you felt um, that you wanted to be you know part of the choir? I think it was both, uh, and obviously uh, we have Melinda and I have um, been drawn to quality music, and and that's. I don't mean that in any kind of judgmental type thing, but developed and structured musicals, and that was very much that. Mm-hmm. And we knew that that was something we could fit into, we could contribute mm-hmm. to, and uh, it it was just a yes because yeah. we were searching at that time. We were looking. We it was every Sunday morning. The small church would go over there, and you know, sometimes after fifteen twenty minutes, said, "Well, this doesn't need to be on the list anymore." Hmm. Wow, you know, I mean, it, and cool. Whether it was just the music program or whether it was uh, the fellowship in the room or the pastor, it was fairly easy when we got to Concord and we said yes. That's awesome. We've sort of been looking the other way. But Drew's talking about serving and the music. There's actually another part in the church I grew up in. Uh, In country churches, small churches, they do not always have a full staff. And our church had a pastor and had a part-time music director. And so this gentleman actually drove in from about 45 miles away for to serve as the music director on Sunday morning, and then he would come back on Wednesday night to rehearse the choir. But he didn't show up for Sunday night. Mm. That was part of the plan. And so I got designated to lead the singing on Sunday night. Now, how old were you when that happened? Um Probably 16. Okay. Wow. Probably the last two or three years of my high school years. That's fantastic. I didn't know so cool. And that did, one, it did develop uh, a commitment to serve, to be there on Sunday night. And for a teenage guy, there are a lot of things to do on Sunday night besides go 
to your church. Yeah. yeah. And so I recognized during that time, this is actually good for me that I'm disciplined or, or have this responsibility to be in the Lord's house on Sunday night instead of what could have been getting in trouble yeah. or yeah. <laughs> a yeah. lot of other things that, yeah. you know, through high school years. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense, you know, you hearing your testimony and talking about how you said your father was a deacon. Yes. Yeah, and, and you, you were so involved because uh, you served our, our church so well. So maybe speak to what you've done uh, to serve Concord and, and how that's grown you. Well, we were sort of surprised uh, not too many years after we'd been in Concord. We got a call one morning, early one morning before we went to work, and it was a deacon at Concord, and he said, Stanley, he said, uh, we'd like to come by and visit with you uh, one night this week if you're available. I believe it might have been on a Monday morning <laughs> that he called. And I said, well, that'd be fine. I said, what are we going to talk about? He said, well, the church has nominated you to serve as a deacon, and we'd like to come by and talk to you. And so I started serving as a deacon. I believe I might have been 28 or 29, and uh, on and off since then, I've served numerous roles as, as a deacon, and that's always been a pleasure. Uh, sometimes it's been hard work. Sometimes it's not been the most desirable situations, but most of the time it has been very much of a, of a pleasure to serve. And in those earlier years, you know, i got to mention that there were some men that uh, I give great credit to that were, uh, were giants in the faith, uh, served with guys like Jack Sizemore mm. and Glenn Taylor and Ray Edens and, uh, let's see, Roy Whitmire, Tom Rogers, and there were many others. Those guys have passed on, but those – Man, gentle men, but strong men and and dedicated men in the faith. So uh, served several years there, served as a chairman, uh, worked in a in the team on finance, served in personnel, served in fellowship, nominating committee. Might have been the hardest working committee, mm-hmm. property and space and, and building committees. So um I can say some of these days are hard, but I can say it's always been a blessing to serve Concord as a deacon. Yeah. Serving as a deacon, also serving as a Sunday school teacher, not only to the college class, but I remember when you you were a Sunday school teacher to my kids. You're you're a was that the three year old, four year old class? Three and fours. Yeah. And um it was so fun to watch you in there working with the kids and um I just say it's great to have a, a man in that in a class that sometimes we just it's ladies carrying the, that weight and it's so good for some of our young boys to see men excited about Jesus um, all throughout their life and that, that's I, I always value that as well. I, I'm, I'm trying to think where you haven't served. We're, that's what this is really. It's, it's a, this we're here to recruit you to the decoration team because that's the only thing you haven't done. They put you to work too. So I, I well, we you know. I don't mind supporting the decorating team. Yeah, and, there you uh, go. We've Got been on the record. ladder several times, yes, hanging yeah. those gargantuous <laughs> wreaths in the front of the uh, sanctuary uh-huh. there. But uh, you know, I think about how Christ has grown me as during my life of Concord, and you know, I've decided I'm obviously a slow learner. <laughs> <laughs> I look back over my six decades of 
living and church life, and sometimes I ask myself, why did it take so long? Hmm. Why does it take so long to learn and sometimes understand and apply simple truths? But my redeeming answer is sanctification takes a lifetime. Hmm. It's wisdom. It's a continual work, and you know that's a word that uh, I offer to uh, some young men sometimes. That you know is sanctification in marriage. It's a life work. That uh, what you're going through is is not new to you. You're not creating the wheel. These struggles are real, and you know it, it takes a long time. But uh, I feel like Christ has grown the gift of servanthood in me. And, uh, you know, the class you're talking about, Drew, even the three- and four-year-old class, uh, I feel like that grew me, teaching the simple truths Mm. over and over at that basic level. And what we're trying to do is plant seeds in those three- and four-year-old students, Mm -hmm. children. Well, they plant seeds in me, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anytime we can be around the Word— and around other Christian men and women, that's that's a win. Well, I gotta say, from someone from a, a younger generation, it's, it's so encouraging to hear hear from someone who's grown up in the church and has just been faithful. You know, I'm looking at you now. You know, you said it's been six decades in, in the church, and you know, I look to you as someone that still uh, has a heart uh, for the church and for service, uh, and you know, you do it. Um, selflessly and, and and humbly, and uh, it's encouraging to me. And and uh, yeah, hopefully the listener can can be spurred on. But I want to hear from you. What are what have been some things that have kept you so grounded in your faith, and, and kept you motivated to serve? Well, there've been many uh, men and relationships men especially, uh, that speak words of encouragement or that uh, model strong faith, uh, whether at church or whether away from church. Um, And I guess some of those I look to as uh, mentors, as giants in the faith, and those are men that you want to model your life after. Hmm. I think of some, you know, from my young years, one guy in particular, he was a cattle farmer. He was, he was a, uh, he was a calloused man. He was a hard worker, but uh, he was at church every Sunday morning. He was listening attentively, and I remember, Drew, you appreciate this. He was paying attention to the sermon, hmm. and if there's something he didn't think was quite right, or something he had a question about, he. Uh, He'd be at the preacher's house that next week. <laughs> at his house, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's ready. Like, he wants like to have a conversation. Yeah. The older country church had a yeah. pastorium, Absolutely. so you didn't have to go far. Knock, knock, knock on the door. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think of other men along the way, you know, that have modeled Christianity, uh, spoken words of wisdom, or maybe even words of rebuke. Uh, I think of an instant here at Concord that uh, I was strongly encouraged by one of our members. During a low time in my life, he came back and said, no, 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 no. He said, you, that's, don't let you get that down. Keep your head up. You know, there's forgiveness, and you need to move on. Hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, I, I love that answer. It shows the the importance uh, of having strong mentors and discipleship, and how you know that's done here at the local church um, amongst uh, this fellowship. And I know there's there's listeners that that look to you. Um, as an elder now, and, and someone that, that they can in, in, inspire to, and uh, you know, to be like, and I think you, you're, you're modeling that now. So it's it's really encouraging to hear that you've had faithful men come before you that were able to do that for you. I think that's incredible. Um, so let's. Uh, I'm going to transition and ask, uh, what was your prayer for Concord? I love it that we recite the Great Commission at the end of every sermon. And I sometimes think about, uh, you know, everyone's looking when they come to visit a church. I think one of the big questions, what's this church about? Hmm. What's their direction? And I think the uh, Great Commission at the end of the service just drives a strong stake in the ground. This is what we're about. carrying the gospel to the nations and to our community. And really, I'm excited that Concord has participated in several church plants. And now as we're right on the cusp of this new church plant, Ringo, and I hope we encourage to train and encourage young people and and, uh, mature people to send out, as we send out missionaries and plant future churches. Whether they're individual missionaries, we've done and do support a lot of those, or corporate church plants. I, I, that's my prayer for Concord, that we continue pursuing the Great Commission in that way. Amen. Yeah, I was thinking about this um, when, when Sam asked that question, and you start talking about missions. I would forgotten that you were one of the guys that went down to Brazil. Went to, to Brazil. To check, to check uh, out the potential for uh, – been serving to, there. Been to Peru twice. Yeah. But we, I believe you and I went yeah, on a trip to sure Peru. Enough. Um but I mean we've had to push kind of pause on Brazil right. with everything going on. But yeah, COVID. Yeah. But uh but yeah, I, I think it's gonna be neat to I think that's I think that's still in the picture for Concord. And, I hope so. And uh and that's just kind of exciting to think about. So you got me excited to hear your answer for this one. What are your top five events in the Bible you would like to visit as a spectator? Well, Sam, you sort of gave me a heads up on this one, and this is a fun question. And uh, I'll just tell you, I've had a little fun through the day asking a couple different people at lunch. I saw someone, and I I perched this question on them. And this morning at my office with a group of uh, mixed churched people, I'll say it that way. We had different faiths there. But uh, the question, the top five events in the Bible— that you'd like to spectator. The first one I'd say would be, I think would be tremendously exciting to have witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. Mm. That's just a phenomenal story. It's hard to wrap your head around that, isn't it? Just fear, but an escape route and knowing where it came from. Only God. God showed up that day. Amen. Of course, the return of Christ, I think that will be just an awesome day. Mm-hmm. The feeding of the 5,000 blows my mind. Just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to see how it multiplied. Yeah, yeah how, how does that work when you reach your hand in the basket and just keeps coming out? Yeah. yeah. And the contentment of 5,000 people. Yeah. 
after reaching in a boy's basket for a couple of fish. And that small group of people who actually were watching, well, I mean, you realize 5,000 people had no idea what miracle was happening. You know? That's true. But yeah. that little band of disciples were like, it's coming out of, they're right there on the front row and can't believe it's happening. Hmm. That's an amazing And then right there in the food, we're talking about feeding 5,000. I think it would have been uh, uh, a neat thing to see the manna falling from heaven. And so we got two things on food there. Maybe I'm hungry as we start to <laughs> And then the healing of the blind man. I mm. think that would uh, that was a very pivotal moment for him, for the community. That's just a great witness of Christ's power there. Yeah. Amen. Cool. Awesome. So this will this will be the last question. This is kind of a fun kind of get to know you question. If you were to start your own podcast, what would it be about? Well, if I were to start it a podcast regarding Concord, I might call it 35 years at Concord and more (laughs) with an exclamation mark. Cool. Um, What do you you like to do for fun? If it was just like your own venture, you know, just kind of the Stanley podcast, what would it be about? Oh, my. Oh. It could be about... How do you serve your church? Because that's where my heart is. Mm, I love that. Uh, it could be something about woodworking projects. Drew and I sort of run the same lane there. He likes to get in the shop, make sawdust fly. Mm-hmm. It could be about deer hunting. Awesome. So I don't, you know. There you go. There's, there's, there's three potentials. I'll study and see if I come up yeah. with a podcast. What's cool is 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 in your life, none of that's contrary, uh, contradictory. You just, I, I love how almost everything you do ends up circling around community, drawing people in, and ultimately looking to Christ. And I've seen that over and over again in your life. Um, if I'm at your house cutting wood, or uh, you're talking about um, something that you're doing out in the yard, or, or going hunting, and somehow the conversation turns to you just sitting there and just taking in what God has done. And just being thankful, and that's something I appreciate, Stanley. How how even in all these um, satellite of interests, you seem to be seeking to to look to Christ, and and that's an encouragement to me because you're asking me in that moment in that conversation when I'm sitting here thinking, well, I don't I don't know much about this, but you're even in that pointing me to Christ, and I just really appreciate that. I don't know a lot about hunting, but when you get to share about it, I'm always interested in hearing it. But then. Um, I'm just so thankful that God is big enough to invade every corner of our lives, and and and, and I see that joy in you. I appreciate that, and I do find value, and I, I take value, and and I take that seriously. To Sam, the question you asked earlier, you know about uh, influences and uh, about keeping Christian men in the circle of friends. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we need to be speaking to others around us, too, and taking opportunity there. And some of those venues, you're right, Drew, offer us time, casual time, to get in the witness of other men. And you can start conversations with some of the simplest or some people just open and share what's on their heart and on their mind, bothering them or whatever. And so we need to take advantage of those times. Yeah. Amen. 
Awesome. Well, man, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I've been encouraged. I know the listener will as well. Any, any, we'll close out in prayer. Any closing thoughts before they? I appreciate you guys doing this. Yeah. I well, think I look forward to hearing from other people amen. about their lives. Absolutely. The, the truth is we all have a story to share because we've all experienced, everybody who's experienced the grace of God has a story to share. Amen. Awesome. Uh, Drew, will you close this out? Absolutely. Father, we do thank you for um, every story that you give us because they're your stories of how you're working in our lives and how you're changing and transforming us, but also allowing us to be instruments in other people's lives. And I thank you for how Stanley has been an instrument in so many people's lives in your hands uh, here at Concord and the blessing he's been to our church. God, um, I pray for him that you will continue to encourage his heart uh, in warmth and in a learning spirit and in a thankful spirit towards you. Uh, and God, I pray that other people will um, just hear this and remember and be reminded of something in their own life that they can point to and uh, be thankful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you are encouraged. If you were, share this with somebody you know, and make sure to share your story as well. And we'll see you on the next episode. 